Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Martin Studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today in the show, we're going to talk a little about improving spray performance. If you've got any questions for us about that or anything going on in your farm, you can give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Or you can find us on Twitter, Ag PhD Media, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. We're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag in just a minute here. Before we do, I just want to let you know, we do have a couple of free Ag PhD workshops coming up next week. If you want to join us for a two-day soils clinic, it's next Tuesday and Wednesday. And then on Thursday, we've got what we call a naturals workshop, where we're going to talk about biological and natural products. There are a lot out there. We've been doing a lot of testing on them. We're going to talk about what we've learned, where we're seeing successes, where we're seeing failures, and just some of the things you might consider trying in your farm moving into the next year. Um, With the soils clinic, I'd really encourage you, if you don't know how to read a soil test today, attend our workshop. Yep, I know it's two days. I know you're busy, but there's nothing more important on the farm than knowing about your soil and trying to get that soil improved. And along with that, figuring out where best to invest your fertilizer dollars. So again, if you don't know how to read a soil test today, please just spend a couple days with us. You'll learn how to read a soil test. It will absolutely help you tremendously on your farm for the rest of your farming career, I will promise you. And also, I want you to think about this. Very often on the farm, we just think about today, we think about getting by this year, we think about the short term with a lot of things. But I want you to think about the long term health of your business. And quite frankly, with a lot of farms, what are we thinking about with our business? It's the next generation, or maybe even the generation after that. Well, I want you to think back about what your dad and your grandpa taught you on the farm. How much did they teach you about soil testing, reading a soil test, and what's the best fertility program, not just for NP or K, but for all the micronutrients, looking at different ratios, looking at timings, things like that. Odds are pretty high. They didn't spend a lot of time talking about that stuff. But as we move forward and you think about the cost of fertilizer today and the fact that it's probably only going up from here in terms of total dollars spent because we're all going to have to use more fertilizer if we want to have higher yields, which we will in the future. What I'm saying here is if you learn some of these things now and learn how to read a soil test, that those are things you can pass on to the next generation and the generation after that, and it's going to make your farm better. It's really important. Go to agphd.com to learn more about any of our upcoming workshops. And again, they're free. We do these, number one, to say thank you to you for listening to us here on Ag PhD Radio and watching us on Ag PhD TV, but also because we just care about farmers and farming. And the better job we all do, the less regulation we have, the healthier food we have, the better our nation does, the better our local communities do. So it's important for all of us. Again, agphd.com if you want to learn more about any of our upcoming events. Okay, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, Brian, here's an easy question. Got this one from Steve. And Steve says, can you send me the info to produce 100 bushels of corn and also 100 bushels of soybeans? 
Um, I'm not going to send you the info, but you can look it up yourself. Just download the free Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal app on your smartphone or your tablet. I use it almost every day. And then you can look up not just corn and beans, but a whole bunch of different crops. You can plug in whatever yield goal you want. And then you can see what does it actually take for fertility to raise those kind of yields. Also, I would say this, uh, and I, I I assumed by that question you were thinking how many pounds of each nutrient. At least that was my how I took it. But let's say that you're looking for everything you need to do to, to make sure you have a good yield in corn or a good yield in beans. We've got the free Ag PhD workshops coming up on corn and soybeans. Just go to agphd.com, click on the events tab, and you can sign up for those workshops. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate the question. Uh, I got this one from Joe who says, aren't weeds in a field signs that something is missing from the soil? Not necessarily, no. In fact, I'd almost say it could be signs that things are great. Because when you stop and think about it for a second, the weed seeds are out there already. What does it take to get them started? Well, in a lot of cases, it just takes fertility. And quite frankly, in some cases, it might take kind of like planting them. So when you do tillage out there and even planting your crop, you might say, well, I don't till, I'm no till. You run a planter over the field, don't you? That's tillage. And just literally by moving that soil a little bit, and if you've got ample fertility out there, Weeds can take off. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, certain weeds will do better when one thing is higher and maybe another thing is lower or whatever. So sure, you might see a little bit of difference in the number of weed species that are out there. But no, we we actually find that if things are absolutely fantastic out there, we have more weeds. All right. Thanks for the question. I got this one uh, from from Helen, and she said, my husband and I have been watching rodeos on RFD TV, and uh, one th- one ad that I saw show up for Ag PhD showed a cornfield. Now, the, the cornfield had green corn stalks and leaves, but also had corn ears that looked fully mature and yep. dried. That's what we're after. What kind of corn is this? And then the other question... After the corn. ears are harvested, do you still use the stalks for silage or hay or something else? Well, you're not going to use them for silage after you've harvested the ears. But could you bale them up and use them as bedding or feed or something? I mean, yeah, you absolutely could. You could use them as, uh, I mean, you could compost it. You could um, use it for cellulosic ethanol production. I mean, there are all kinds of things you could do with the, the stalks, but for the most part, people just leave them out there. Now, as to why the stalks are green, well, the reason why is because we're keeping that plant healthier longer. So as we all, as farmers, get smarter and we're better as farmers, then eventually we get this thing kind of figured out and we're able to keep that plant living all the way to the end of the season, even when that seed fully matures. That's usually where we maximize yield. And thanks for the question, Helen. And you have to check out Ag PhD sometime and see a little bit more about that too. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. 
This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. How can you make the most profit ever on your soybean crop? I'm Darren Hefty. We'll give you the answer to that question at a free Ag PhD soybean agronomy workshop. It's Wednesday, January 25th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll dive deep on topics such as pest control, resistance issues, herbicide traits, fertility, cleaning up white mold, and more. If you want to make raising soybeans more lucrative and more fun, you won't want to miss this free Ag PhD soybean agronomy workshop. Learn more at agphd.com. Your crop deserves the best, not just a contender. Choose a Champ brand fungicide from New Farm for proven performance in the formula you prefer. Champ Formula 2 Flowable offers exceptional mixing and stability in a liquid copper. Champ Ion comes supercharged for superior coverage in a dry formulation. Any way you turn, New Farm has the copper solution you can win with. Put a Champ in your corner at newfarm.com slash uscrop. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today, and here is a show that could change how everything looks in your fields next year. If you said, you know, I was disappointed with a herbicide and how it did in my field, or I don't know if I got enough out of that fungicide, or maybe even, man, I did some foliar feed and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. The answer may be in today's program when we talk about improving spray performance. If you've got questions along the way, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can always email us radio at agphd.com. Let's head to the phone lines right now. We've got Abe Eubanks on with us right now with TopCon. Abe, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks. How are y'all doing? We're doing quite well. We're looking forward to next year. We're, we're well into the planning stage for our crop. And, and to me, that's exciting when we're looking out the window. We're seeing lots of snow, which you probably aren't seeing down in Georgia. But uh, we see the snow out there. And I, I dream of green crops, Abe. So we, we want to do it the best we can. Right. <clears throat> well, you know, thanks for, for having me today. But, you know, as we're talking about improving our, our spray performance, We've all heard the four R's, right, over the past however many years, you know, the, the right product, in the right rate, in the right place, at the right time. Well, when we start talking sprayers and, and spray performance, there's a fifth R that, that we really need to, to take into account, and that's the right height. Are we putting that chemistry out high enough over the crop to where we're getting good coverage and we're making the most out of those nozzles, and are we also keeping it low enough to where we're you know reducing that drift potential and you know over the past four or five years that's become a lot more critical with some of the new herbicide technologies we've had come on the market within list and extend and the, the stricter label requirements that those have so you know as we look at those and, and we see you know height is becoming a key factor you know what is our capabilities of our boom height controllers you know, are we set up right on those? Are those calibrated to where we know as, as producers, if we set it for 20 inches over a crop, 
are we going to maintain that 20 inches and is our system capable of doing that to you know, with our degree of accuracy that we're looking for and as the sprayers get larger as booms get wider you know we're, we're pushing the envelope more and more with speed and with size an operator even the most skilled and seasoned operator he's going to struggle with keeping that boom height consistent from tip to tip you know especially if we're going over terraces and um extreme terrain you know even the most seasoned operator is going to struggle so that's where our you know boom height controllers they're going to be key going forward yeah that's a big deal and i I think about this too abe we we farm in some rolling hills and i know sometimes farmers come here and they say man i had no idea how hilly it was i thought you were just flat out there in the in the prairie and then other people come here and say hilly that's nothing compared to what we've got well it, it sure presents a challenge when you've got rolling terrain and like you say we're running sprayers through the field at a pretty good clip anymore and it isn't exactly smooth across every field so there are a lot of challenges to keeping that boom height even especially when you start thinking about 100 foot booms 120 foot booms uh that's a long ways out there right yeah and you know 20 25 years ago a 60 foot boom you know that that was a large boom but it was still manageable but now a 60 foot boom i mean that's short so now we're talking 90 120 you know and and even wider than that so as we get larger as we we're trying to go faster you know the human body can only react so fast. So that's where a well calibrated and reliable boom height control system, you know, it, it's going to get you the most out of that investment that you're putting on that crop. But it's also going to save your operator fatigue. It's going to save your booms, you know, keep them out of the ground. It's going to save those tips and those nozzles. So it, it's just, it's an investment that it, it pays for itself year in and year out. Well, like you mentioned, too, uh, a lot of times if guys have had trouble and, oh, man, I broke a couple nozzles off the end of the boom because things were bouncing or it it was the right height for most of the boom, but it got too low on on the one end, the the adjustment that most farmers make that I see just driving around the country is they raise the boom up. And I know even on our own farm, I've I've driven by fields and all of a sudden I see one of our guys running the sprayer. I'm like, whoa, 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 you can't be up that high. That's, That's not good. We're spraying the wrong product for that. And so, yeah, boom height, that's a great way to start improving spray performance. There are guidelines with the spray nozzles that you're dealing with, guidelines with some of the new products that you're dealing with. Pay attention to those and then look for solutions for that. We've been talking here with Abe Eubanks with TopCon and, of course, TopCon uh, sells products, but they also make products for a lot of the big manufacturers out there as well. So uh, definitely industry experts. Abe, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on today. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. You bet. We've got Mark Burns on right now with Case IH, speaking about industry experts here. Mark, thanks for joining us. Oh, glad to be here. All right. So this is not easy. Abe, Abe talked about some of the challenges you got just trying to run a sprayer through the field. Uh, man, keeping the boom height right, that's, that's part of the equation. Uh, it, it all comes into improving spray performance overall. What are some of the other things we should be thinking about? Well, you know, and with the cold weather and the snow that we've got in the Midwest, a lot of folks aren't really thinking about working on equipment. But, uh, you know, now's a great time to to be going through and thinking about calibrations. Um, you know, things like flow meters, they're a wear item, and, and most folks don't really even think about it until they've got a problem. So, you know, we like to, to talk to producers and, 
and sprayer operators and say, you know what, if you've got a down day, it's not necessarily a bad idea just to go out and uh, and do some of those routine maintenance items. Yeah, you're exactly right. And and you get to the end of the year and you think, oh, no, everything was running fine. But uh, there's been a lot of wear and tear. You think about how many gallons run through these things and, and how many acres that you've covered throughout the season. Uh, what are some of those key things that you say, okay, this year in the shop, I, I better make sure I watch for? Well, you know, I kind of touched on one being the flow meter because that's only as, you know, sprayer is only as accurate as what it counts going through it. Um, and then probably, you know, one of the most important things that, you know, we as a sprayer manufacturer don't even uh, offer or, or include is a spray tip. Uh, you talked about the amount of products going through some, not only just the volume, but the abrasiveness of some of those and the, the makeup of that tip is really going to affect uh, it's service life, how it wears, the performance that you're going to see. So, you know, something as, as relatively inexpensive as a, as a spray tip can cause you big problems down the road. You made some big changes to your self-propelled sprayers as well here just in the last year. What what are some of the things that growers should be looking at if they're just saying, you know what, my sprayer's getting kind of worn out and I need an upgrade? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we've had a pretty exciting uh, last 12 months with the introduction of our 50 series products um you know it's it's kind of a ground up redesign uh, you know even finding some of those things you know that uh that most manufacturers never really even thought of like a, a nozzle wash and, and rinse station on the back of the machine so you get some some of those nice creature comforts but it's really thinking about you know what 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 kind of products or formulations do you need to apply at what rates you know, sizing the plumbing appropriately so that you're operating that sprayer in the in the sweet spot of its performance. Um, and then, you know, some of the things that have been touched on already. What kind of technology do we need to put on that machine? Height control, uh, section control, uh, pulse width modulation type spray control, um, guidance offerings. You know, we've seen a, a pretty big uh, interest now lately in vision guidance. You know, that's that's a huge opportunity there. Yeah, yeah, there are just a bunch of things there, and I know as as we get out into fields in the summer, we'll, we'll hear from farmers here and there that say, you know, I got an issue out here. Can you help me figure it out? And, and we find streaks out there. Whether we had an issue with the nozzle that didn't get didn't get caught, or uh, the boom height, like you mentioned, oh man, the end of your boom was way up in the air, and we just didn't get good coverage here. They're they're just or or it's too close to the crop, and we didn't get. Uh, the full spray pattern coverage, or just a lot of things that are that are happening there with the sprayer, and oh, we're going pretty fast out in the field too, because we got a lot of acres to get over, uh, doing all those maintenance things now, checking things out, and maybe even upgrading to a, a new machine, uh, like a like a fifty series machine from Case IH would be something to consider. Hey, Mark, uh, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on. Happy New Year to you, and look forward to talking to you again. Yep, same to you guys. Have a good one. Thanks talking about improving spray performance on today's program there are a lot of things that go into that Uh, if you've got questions or if you'd like to discuss what you're doing on your farm it's 844-44-AG-PHD we'll be right back Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. 
Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. Palmer Amaranth. Four counts of yield theft, resistance to groups two, four, nine. You ain't got nothing on me, man. We've been surveilling you. And now we've got Tough 5EC, a tank mix partner that'll make sure you and your gang of resistant weeds never see the daylight again. Crack down on repeat offenders. Add Tough 5EC to your post-emergence tank mix. Learn more at toughonweeds.com. Always read and follow label directions. Tough is a registered trademark of Belsham Crop Protection. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of fierce herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, you're getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting a crop nutrition plan that maximizes your fertilizer applications from every drop, all while accounting for your management practices and the products you're already using. But it's not just a product. It's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. What can you do to build a better wheat crop? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. Thursday, January 26th, we're holding a free Ag PhD Wheat Agronomy Workshop at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll be discussing how you can make your wheat crop more profitable by going in-depth on topics such as crop protection programs, seed treatment options, and the ways to make your crop more resistant to stress, like drought and disease. We'll be covering all of this and much more, so don't miss the Ag PhD Wheat Agronomy Workshop. Sign up today at agphd.com. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com farmall. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today talking about improving spray performance. Now, not just thinking about weeds here, thinking about fungicides, foliar fertilizer applications, just all insecticide, all the things that you're doing out in the field. We want to make sure you're getting every dollar's worth of value out of those products. Their inputs are not cheap, uh, as, as you well know. All right, let's get some ideas here from Nate Jansen with CNB. Uh, looking on the green side of things here a little bit. How you doing, Nate? Doing well. How about you? Good, good. You got a lot of exciting new technologies coming out to help us do a better job with our spray performance. What are this, some of the things going into this 2023 growing season that you're talking to growers about? Definitely. Yeah, there's there's lots of things on the market, and it's uh, it's easy to kind of read the headlines and see all the exciting things that are coming, and and there's lots of great things from, from weed identification in the field, doing kind of sea and spray type of activities that we're, we're going to see a lot of things around uh, in 2023. 
but uh, the big things we really want to look at uh, is looking at you know machines that you currently have, uh, whether they're you know getting tired and, and looking to upgrade, or if you're maybe looking to, to grow to a larger size of sprayer or, or jump from a pole type to a self-propelled. Uh, one is start looking now. Equipment uh, inventory is really tight, and, and you want to start kind of calculating really what your goals are uh, sooner rather than later. The other part is taking some of those machines that, that might be out there with conventional spray systems and, and upgrading their performance by, you know, adding pulsing nozzle technologies that uh, just gain more accuracy in the droplet size. They maintain better pressures when you're exiting the headlands uh, and things like that. There's there's lots of really exciting technology uh, that's out there, and it's getting more mainstreamed onto to more machines that are out on the market as well. You mentioned machines that are getting tired, and I love that. I I, I talk in the seed industry a lot, and and I know one seed breeder. He says, "Well, oh, my my stocks are a little lazy," and <laughs> like translation, they fall <laughs> over. So machines getting a little bit tired, and here's the problem. He say, "Ah, maybe I can stretch another year or two out of this machine." Uh, if it's not doing a good job, it's costing you money every acre that you're running over. So if you've got one of those tired machines, are there a few upgrades? Like you mentioned the the pulsing nozzles. I mean, are there a few things like that? You say, you know what, if you do a few of these things, put a few new bells and whistles on it, uh, maybe you can stretch it out a few more years. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, a lot of stuff uh, other people have talked about today, but uh, one, starting at your nozzles. They are a wear item. Uh, we run a lot of product through them, a lot of gallons, and we also mix a lot of dry solubles in there, which you know will increase the the wear on them. Uh, and nozzle technology has changed a lot over the years, you know, from back in brass tips and some extended range options that uh, we've changed it again materials and technology that that increases the wear life too. So newer helps in that size too, just to main, make sure you've got consistency across the boom. Uh, looking a little bit further up into the plumbing, other things that we can do, uh, like I mentioned, the, the pulsing nozzle systems. Uh, John Deere specifically has two different nozzle options that are available. Uh, one is we call Exact Apply, which has a six nozzle turret on it, which lets uh, up to two nozzles pulse kind of together at the same time, or you can switch from one to the other from in the cab. There is also a, a kind of a lower cost option similar to other competitors in the market that, that works with the five-way nozzle body as well. Uh, but still gets you the pulsing, uh, individual nozzle shutoff. Um, it compensates around curves and, and things like that. So that's another option that, that works really well there. Um, and then obviously maintaining our boom height and, and having our, our proper height above the canopy or off the ground is, is incredibly important as well. Um, so if you don't have a boom height control system today, uh, there's kits where you can add it on. Uh, sprayers that are a little bit on the newer side, say, you know, 20 16 and newer, for instance, uh, there are, uh, in the John Deere world, there's kind of upgraded boom track uh, technology, boom track pro two now puts sensors on the chassis and on the boom to help compensate for, for the role that the machine is seeing before the boom kind of gets over top of those hills or through waterways or across terraces. So, um, those are some of the main ones, um, along with the plumbing too, we've got the ability to, to recirculate product through the boom. So we have another point of agitation with less points where uh, product can get hung up and cause burn and that, that kind of ugly V pattern when you switch between products. And uh, the nicest part I, I like when we're switching between products is we have the ability to recapture the product that's in the boom, push that you know 30 to 50 gallons of product back into the solution tank, capture it there instead of 
trying to find a place to, to rinse it out and, and clean it out properly. So a lot of great options you can put on there. And that's just talking about the boom. There's a lot of other things, too, from the precision egg side we can get into. Uh, more accurate GPS technologies, uh, obviously things like section control where our sections come on and off automatically. Um, now is a great time to start thinking about that, uh, talking to people, both your neighbors, people at the dealership, uh, about the, the types of options that are available for, for your specific setup is great time to start. And, you know, this is one of the things that gets a little overwhelming. There are a lot of parts on a sprayer. There's a lot of different systems going on that all have to work together to have great spray performance. And now you're exactly right, Nate. Now is the time to look at those things one by one and see, hey, where are we at? And, and are these systems functioning well? And, you know what, if I'm having trouble, like you mentioned a couple different things with the boom there, that recirculating products in the boom or recapturing product that's in the boom, hey, those those types of systems could really help on the farm so just have a good evaluation work with your equipment dealer like you mentioned inventory is kind of tight on some things so you want to plan ahead that's in my mind one of the great things that's happened with this whole pandemic there's been a lot of bad things but one of the great things is it's kind of forced us all to plan ahead a little bit to make sure we're doing the best job talking with nate jansen here with c and b equipment nate thank you so much really appreciate having you on thanks a lot darren you bet. We've got our friend Nick Flights on right now with Pentair. Nick, uh, you had to love this. It seems like everybody we're talking to is saying, you know, there are better materials, better design on some of these spray tips. You might need to upgrade on those. Boy, it's it's kind of feeding right into you here. Yeah, it worked out really well. I uh, enjoyed listening to the, the last call. I was waiting, uh, saying uh, some similar things that I'm always kind of echoing. Well, and you used to be the one guy out there saying, man, here's some cool stuff happening with nozzles. Now you got uh, all the big guys out there saying, you know what? Uh, there are some really cool things going on with nozzles. What are some of the neat things from Pentair that folks should be looking at this year? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of great things in the spring industry as a whole. And this is actually my favorite time of year to talk about nozzles. And I get a lot of questions and things as we get into the spring season about getting new nozzles and sizing and selecting and new, new nozzle technology that's out there. But this is the best time to talk about nozzles because we're in shop season. We've got the winter trade show season coming up. So there's a lot of time now for us to, to talk about the 2023 spraying season, learn what's new out there, uh, and kind of think about what we did last year and maybe what we can do better this year. Um, so, you know, I, I would encourage as we go into winter trade shows, you know, Pentair High Pro, we're going to be a commodity classic. We're going to be at National Farm Machinery Show. Um, come find us. Um, if you've got another nozzle manufacturer you like to use, find them and, and, and bend their ear a little bit about what's new in their portfolio or their recommendations for if you're upgrading with some of the new technology that, that Nate was just talking about. Um, a lot of great technology out there. Um, in all that great technology on sprayers, uh, PWM, um, Turn compensation, all these things, you know, we're still dependent on a pump and a set of spray nozzles um, to, to really get the job done. So it's important not to neglect those spray nozzles, not to neglect your pump, and, and, and remember the role that they play. Um, you asked what's new from us. Uh, new nozzle-wise this year, we do have a new spray nozzle that uh, is going to be available. It is called the 3D90. Uh, if you're familiar with the 3D nozzle from us, uh, it's been pretty popular. Uh, kind of one of the our latest nozzles we came out with a few years ago. Really great for high coverage applications. 
the regular 3D is. But 3D90 got its name because uh, it's a very similar design to the current 3D, uh, but it provides up to 90% drift reduction. Um, so it's that kind of alternating incline angle that we've gotten used to that we've seen. Uh, the 3D90 has that same alternating incline, but it's got a coarser droplet size spectrum. Uh, it's going to be PWM compatible. Um, so pretty versatile nozzle. It's going to be able to do some good coverage, but also some really good drift reduction for that's exciting because I love that 3D nozzle. It's been fantastic coverage on, on a lot of applications for us. I've been talking with Nick Flights here with Pentair. Happy New Year to you, Nick. Thanks for being on. I really appreciate it. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is Mike. Hey. He's getting a quick haircut at the local barber school. It's only five bucks. How bad can it? Oh! Yikes. Don't be like Mike when it comes to weed control. Get the job done right the first time and plan ahead with Status Herbicide. It delivers elite corn safety and reliable performance, so you don't have to deal with more problems than you bargained for. No, 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 no! Status Herbicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. How can you make the most profit ever on your soybean crop? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. We'll give you the answer to that question at a free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. It's Wednesday, January 25th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll dive deep on topics such as pest control, resistance issues, herbicide traits, fertility, cleaning up white mold, and more. If you want to make raising soybeans more lucrative and more fun, you won't want to miss this free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. Learn more at agphd.com. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, a Morton machine storage or workshop is built to stand the test of time. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. Farmers come to Commodity Classic from every state and beyond. I'm a farmer from Lexington, Tennessee. Brackenridge, Michigan. Michigan. Finley, North Dakota. We're farmers, farmers from, from Elverson, Pennsylvania. Cope, Colorado. Northeast Arkansas. I'm a teacher from Glenview, Illinois. We are corn and soybean farmers from Allegan, Michigan, and we want to see you at Commodity Classic. Join us in Orlando as we're preparing for the next generation, March 9th through 11th, 2023. Learn more at commodityclassic.com. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. 
We are broadcasting from the Morton studio talking about improving spray performance today. And we got some great ideas there on tips and some of the new technology coming out for sprayers. Uh, I know when you think about this, um, and Abe Eubank started this off, I, I think, the right way. Hey, we got to pick the right products. I mean, if something isn't working in a field, we, we first have to look at, well, did we have the right product? Did we have the right rate? Was our timing right? All those kinds of things. But then all the application equipment things that come into play. Did we use the right volume of water? Did we have the right spray pressure? What kind of coverage did we get? Do we need to upgrade nozzles? These things are all super important. And if you see differences in performance out in your field, whether it's a streak or uh, you see, man, I just didn't get good coverage. I had a field last year uh, that, that would fall into this category where all the small weeds died and the big weeds didn't. And so the farmer asked me, well, did the big weeds not die because I had the wrong product or the wrong rate? And we got looking at it and we kind of figured out, wait a minute, how, how high was your boom? They just flat missed them. They were too tall. They had the boom down really low and did a great job on the small ones, but missed a lot of the big ones out there. And so would they have still gotten them with that product at that rate? Maybe not because it was way off label. But when when the boom height was too low and, and the weeds were pretty tall, it, they just didn't get good coverage on them. And I know uh, we had talked just a little bit about Abe was saying you want to be high enough over the crop but not too high. Uh, I've seen it the other way, and I did make a comment about this, that I've seen people running the boom six feet up when they've got a crop that's one feet one foot tall. Well, that's ridiculous. You're way, way, way too high, and your chances of drift are a lot more. Your chances of just losing spray to evaporation and other things, just way too much. You can't have those kinds of things either. So if you read you know, the, the material around your spray nozzles and your boom, depending on your spacing, how far apart those nozzles are, that's going to determine how high up you need to be. Oftentimes it's a couple feet above the crop is all uh, to get perfect spray coverage. So do pay attention to those things as you're going along too. Uh, anything else you want to comment on there, Brian? You want to dive back into the mailbag? Well, I'd just say this. We are required anymore to use these great big spray droplets. And I've been talking about this a lot this winter when it comes to dicamba and there are some other chemistries too. And my whole point is simply, look, if you're required on the label to use the great big droplets, you're going to have a special spray nozzle to do that, that, that gives you those big droplets. Just don't be lazy. <laughs> don't Continue using that same droplet size when you're going to spray a fungicide, when you're going to spray something like Liberty, something that needs better spray coverage. Switch the spray nozzle. So there are ways to do this, uh, even I shouldn't say automatically, but to do this without having to leave the tractor cab. So just talk to your spray equipment supplier, and hopefully they can help you out with that. But I'm, I, I guess... The spray nozzle thing is such a big deal. And also, I just would encourage you to think about how much weeds can cost you. And for that matter, having poor performance with your herbicide or with your fungicide or insecticide. I mean, literally anything you're spraying. So we want to try to do it right, not just do the job or do the job quickly. We got to try to do it right. 
it's worth a lot of dollars. And believe me, I know because I get in a hurry too. And I want things done on our farm. And it's like, go, 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 go. But we have to stop sometimes and take the time to check to make sure we're doing the right job. Because if we don't, we lose all kinds of money. It's worth so many dollars. So just occasionally make sure you're you're checking some of these things, getting off the sprayer and making sure everything looks good and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, we have amazing equipment anymore and we can get hundreds of acres done in what feels like almost no time. So where I'm going with this is if you screw it up, all of a sudden it could be a major screw up and it's on lots of acres. So just take your time a little bit, make sure you know what you're doing. All right. Uh, Darren, we yesterday, whoa, (laughs) Darren, we yesterday bashed my head into my microphone here. That's a first. Just just too excited to to talk about this stuff. We we had, yeah, we had this question on string beans and anyway, I said, save that question for tomorrow. All right. So this came in from T-Man and he said, guys, uh, could you do a show on string beans? None of our local agronomists are much help figuring out weed sprays and soil nutrition for some of these vegetable crops. Okay. Perhaps just do a show just on vegetables. Well, I guess let's put it this way. We're not the vegetable experts here, but when we talk- oh, They are string, tasty though, Brian. Yeah. When we talk string beans, that's basically green beans, which is basically dry beans. So all these beans are real similar to soybeans. And you can look up like on the IPHD fertilizer removal app, what you need for fertility and things like that. And if you, and if you say, well, I want a shortcut- I usually think about the dry beans very similar to soybeans in terms of what they need for overall fertility, how we treat them, everything else. But I mean, they you you can a lot of farmers in the last few years have made great money with green beans, dry beans. I mean, so basically edible beans, and it's exciting because I mean there is opportunity there. There the the prices have been pretty good, but. The challenge is you don't have quite as many options when it comes to weed control as you would with soybeans. So here are the things that we usually talk about, and I would just say make sure these things are labeled and labeled in your area. Because what happens a lot of times for what get considered to be specialty crops, there are emergency use labels that will go into effect for a while, and then sometimes they go off, and I'm not always paying attention to, oh, North Dakota approved this, and well, now they're not approving it anymore. So just please check the label, but I'll, I'll give you some general things that we usually talk about. So in soybeans, we talk the three pre's. Well, you can't use metribuzin in dry beans or edible beans, green beans. So instead, what I would tell you is, I still want three modes of action out there. Here's what I would do. I'd use yellow, like Sonalan, Prowl, or Trifluralin, plus Spartan, if that's going to be labeled in your area. And again, check the label. And then on top of that, I'd get a group 15. So that means like dual outlook, something like that. So just make sure all these things are labeled for your area and your particular edible bean that you're raising. But those are the things that typically work, and that's what we usually talk about. Okay, then post-emerge, there just aren't many options. So it almost- I was hoping it, you were going to have a bunch there because you're like, post-emerge, no, I'm like, what? You, no. You've got a bunch of options so, post? No. So that's the reason why we want so many pre's down, because it's kind of like raising conventional soybeans. Your options are basically raptor, 
which is an ALS, and it's not going to kill your kosher or water hamper palmer. You got basagran, which isn't going to kill much of anything. And you got reflex, or the generic. So that's like Flexstar would be in soybeans, where it's a PPO. It's going to be pretty good on some weeds like water hemp and palmer if they're small. Other than that, you can spray clethodim out there for grass. And I would absolutely say make sure you're looking at fungicides. A lot of the the edible bean producers are using multiple shots of fungicide. There are really good products labeled. Just depends on what your disease spectrum is. A lot of people in the north here have issues with sclerotinia white mold. So that's why Endura is so popular. But otherwise, Topsin can also help with that and a few other products. Uh, Proline. So... There's also just general plant health things like a lot of people use preax or even at a low rate fairly early on once those those beans start flowering. So anyway, there there are certainly options and yeah, we'll try to talk about those a little bit more as we move forward. Yeah, otherwise you're doing just like you do in the small garden at home. You're hand pulling the weeds and, and, and that's probably why you're you asking about this because yep, you don't want that. <laughs> you don't want to keep doing that. Hey, thanks for the question. We really appreciate that. Uh, get hey, it. Uh, let me let me throw one other thing out since we only have a few seconds left in this segment. So I was going through the grocery store on Sunday with my teenage daughter, and we got to a, a section where it said um, organic. And I would just say, look, if you're raising organic, great. Uh, and there's a lot of there's a lot of potential there. But the thing that I I was talking to her about is, let's just keep in mind, I don't care if it's organic or non-organic, we've got to control the weeds, the insects, and diseases somehow, some way. Because otherwise, that plant's under stress, and that plant will produce more natural carcinogens, and the, the food in the end will not be as healthy. So however you're getting the weeds, insects, diseases under control, do it in any crop. It leads to better food in the end. Get back to more of your calls and questions right after this. Cold weather draining your batteries? Nothing delivers peace of mind like a quality battery charger from CNB. Going on now? Buy three batteries and get the charger on sale. Learn more or shop online at DeerEquipment.com. CNB, your local John Deere dealer of choice. Offer runs until May 2023. Get your planter ready for spring with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. When you buy 12 rows or more, get free shipping or 20% off an end zone bin system. So call Farm Shop MFG today at 712-520-6051. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. What can you do to build a better wheat crop? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. Thursday, January 26th, we're holding a free Ag PhD Wheat Agronomy Workshop at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll be discussing how you can make your wheat crop more profitable by going in-depth on topics such as crop protection programs, seed treatment options, and the ways to make your crop more resistant to stress, like drought and disease. We'll be covering all of this and much more, so don't miss the Ag PhD Wheat Agronomy Workshop. Sign up today at agphd.com. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. 
As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight. Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact emerge planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD or your emails, radio at agphd.com. It's exactly how Jim from Western Wyoming got a hold of us, got an email here. Uh, he said, guys, got a problem in my field. I planted 70 acres to an oat, barley, triticale, and pea mix. And it's roughly 105 pounds per acre of seed. However, uh, I discovered turnips throughout my field, and I contacted the seed company. They alleged there were eight pounds of residual seed in their sprayer when they seeded my field. Now, the turnips covered the entire 70 acres, and the grain growth was just a disaster. Uh, I got much less tonnage. Instead of seven ton that I produced in 2020, I only got 1.75 to 2 ton this year. Now, we were a little drier, but that's that's a huge decrease and I, I think the turnips outcompeted the rest of my crop and that's the problem. So, just kind of curious, do you do you think 8 pounds of turnip seed could actually do that or do you think maybe they had 8 pounds per acre out in the field? Well, this is kind of interesting, Jim, and I was kind of thinking, I wonder, I know turnip seed's pretty small. I wonder how many seeds there are per pound. So, Brian, there are 200, depending on the variety, 220,000 seeds per pound. So, eight pounds total, that's still 1.76 million turnip plants if they all germinated across 70 acres. Do I think it could be just eight pounds? I think it could be. 1.76 million plants is a lot. Wait, let's calculate that on a, out on a per acre basis. 1.76 well, million there's 43 divided by 70. Uh, or per square foot. Or per square foot. Oh, boy. Here we go. Now the calculations get started. Yep. So you got so 70 acres. So it's 25,000 weeds per acre. 25,000 weeds per acre. That's one every and two feet. Let's, right. And let's just say that only half of them grew, because I think that's fair. That's probably 80%. But even if only half of them grew, that'd still be 
over 12,000 weeds per acre. Of course, that's going to dramatically negatively impact your your yield, your tonnage, everything. So, yeah, it's it, it's an unfortunate deal, but do we think that 8 pounds over 70 acres could have made that difference? Yes, we do. All right, here's the other question is if you're short of moisture, how much is your tonnage going to go down? If you had 7 ton in 2020, Lots. And Lots. now you got two ton this year. I mean, could that have happened even if the turnips weren't of involved? Of course. You know, Talk to anybody that had drought thing. this year. We, we've been in drought for two and a half years until now, all of a sudden, in the last month. We've probably gotten six inches of precip. That would be about one-fourth of our total annual precip. We've gotten that in a month. And unfortunately, it's all almost all come in the form of snow. So it's been horrific here this winter so far. But I guess we're getting moisture. And I was I, Darren, I was telling uh, one of our guys earlier today, our frost depth is actually shrinking. We were at 15 inches of uh, frost the other day. Now we're at 14 with the in some areas, we have six feet of snow. Um, I'm predicting that we are going to see melting from underneath. I'm predicting we're going to have no frost by probably late March, and it's going to be a little weird. Usually, we don't have much snow here, and the frost goes really deep, and it kills a lot of stuff like weeds and insects and diseases. Yeah, it, we're not going to have that this year. So anyway, just a lot different year than normal for us. This yeah. is like a one in 20 year kind of event for, for snow, total yearly snowfall. Yeah, it's a big one. There's no doubt about that. I I, I don't know. I, I think 1997 was the last one we had that was really big that like this. That was 25 years ago. Yep. Yep, it sure is. Okay. Uh, boy, we got so many soil tests. And uh, when you, if you send a soil test to us, we're more than happy to look at it. The summary page is really the best for us because we yep. can see a lot of numbers all at once. I got four fields and okay. five-acre grids. Can you read that fine print on these? Well, My goodness, it's pretty small. I'm old now. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah. this print is unbelievable. Well, yeah, not only is the print really small, but I have... I don't know, 25 pages here. So, yeah, a summary page would be really helpful. And no, I can't. I, well, I, I could maybe read it, but some of the stuff is in color. So it's like black print on a green background, and it's incredibly hard to see. Yeah, I think so, I think some of these labs, they want things to be pretty. Oh, and gosh. here, tell you what, let me, give you, let me give you a different one. And maybe we'll look at that one online yeah. rather than a printed copy. Well, I was going to say, too, one of the things we, we often bring up at at workshops is to say, look, if you didn't bring your reading glasses, just take your cell phone and zoom in and then you can see all these things. But yeah, it's just, it's incredibly slow and painful to do that with this, with all these pages I've gotten, all the stuff. So anyway, yeah, let's try to work on this. I don't know, another all right, day. All right. I'll do Here a different you. one then. Okay. Uh, then I get one from James and his is much easier to read right now. Uh, so, that, so we'll start with that one. All right, uh, James has got a bunch of soil tests here, and I think you might just look at the top ones there, but uh, they look fairly similar across. But uh, as always, there's always some variability. Uh, James said, okay, guys, I am shooting for 65 bushel soybean yields. And let's see, James is in where? I don't see that. Illinois? Is that Illinois? I don't know. Uh Says All right, Missouri, James, but you gave me the bare minimum yeah. of details. All James said, and this is an absolute quote, Go ahead. this will be planted to soybeans, and I'm hoping to get 65 bushel. That's okay. it. Great. No question. 
No more details. So, James, uh, <laughs> thanks for the question. Thanks for the send the soil test in, but maybe give us just a little bit more background in the future. Like, hey, here's here's what I'm working on, or here's my concerns. Oh, I don't know. I, I mean, I can tell you right now what the concerns are. It's it's pretty simple. That's that's why we look at these soil tests. By the way, you gave me several sheets, and a lot of them are just reprints. So, uh, I, I just say this. Where every farmer out there is going to focus first on N, P, and K, and that's fine. I don't have any issue with that. I'm always going to look at soil pH first, and the good news in this case is the pHs are great. They're in sixes. So, I mean, there's literally one spot of 5.6, so could you throw a little bit of lime out there? Sure. Throw a splash of lime out in that one tiny little spot, you're good to go. But there's tremendous variability in this field. We have areas that have 6% base saturation K and 440 parts per million of K. Awesome. Perfect. But And in those same spots, 100 parts per million of P1 phosphorus. Fantastic. you got enough P and K there to last you for at least a couple of years. But then you also have spots where it's like a, a percent and a half of K. 115 parts per million of, of K and nine parts per million of B1 phosphorus, that's not going to cut it. So the, the thing that we're going to encourage you to do is allocate your dollars to the areas that need it. And so, yeah, you got P and K issues massive in a lot of this field. But then I'd also start looking at some of the micronutrients because zinc you got areas that are under a part per million. I'll promise you that's hurting your yield right now. You got sulfur levels that are single digits. I'll promise you that's hurting your yield. You got uh, copper that's uh, down to one part per million. That maybe not. That's maybe not super bad. But I'm getting my copper up to at least two. And then boron, you got no boron. <laughs> there's there's like no boron. So bean soybeans don't need much but I'd still get a little bit out there. So anyway, those are the things that I would do. And I just tell you, like on our farm, about 15 years ago, we were averaging upper 30s for soybean yield. Now in the last 10 years, we've been averaging 65 plus. And our best fields are, you know, very commonly and easily 70, 75 bushel beans. And these are even in drought years. Like this year, we averaged 65 bushel beans in a drought. So I mean, you can do it, but a lot of our success came down to two things with soybeans and, and really dramatically bumping those yields. Number one was drain tile, and number two, soil fertility, getting that balanced. And we're still working on that because now that we've gone to one-acre grids, it's like, oh, okay, so when we were on five-acre grids, we kind of got stuff, but now with the one-acre grids, we're really starting to, to get it fine-tuned. So we're, we're still working on the same kind of things that you are, but I, I mean, we've really bumped our P and K levels and that's made a huge difference and it will for you as well. Yeah, it sure will. And, um, you know, there, there are a lot of things there to take a look at. And even you say, well, I'm not, I'm 65 bushel is a good yield for our area, but it's not a hundred or anything like that. Man, you look at what the price of soybeans is right now and what you'd net per, or what you'd gross per acre, even on 65 bushels. There's, yeah, it's a there's some deal. dollars there okay. to work on. Okay, so we get all these soil tests in, and that's great. And we're happy to look at soil tests anytime. But again, I just want to encourage you. If you do not know how to read a soil test, you can learn it, and we can teach it to you in, in well, I could, could, you, could teach it to you in about two hours. But we're going to stretch it out over two days because it's a lot more fun. So anyway, at, at our Ag PhD Soils Clinic next week, that's Tuesday and Wednesday, please be there. It will make you an unbelievable amount of money on your farm if you just learn a little bit more about soil fertility. We'll make it as fun as we can. We'll show you firsthand, like, real data off our farm and things you can do to fix stuff on your farm. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.